0: Hey, listeners, if you find our methodology podcast and general view on sales performance intriguing, you may find this offer very interesting. As you know, we don't do them very often. Starting March 16th, we are going to do a four-part webinar. Some of the key topics we're going to talk about, obviously, is outreach and prospecting. How do you do outreach and how do you do prospecting in a way that separates you from everybody else, yet at the same time builds trust and engages that prospect in a way that they want to invite you in, they want to talk to you. Again, March 16th, four-part webinar series. You can go to lapin180.com slash webinars and learn more.
1: I'm Pam Evanson.
0: I'm Dan Lappin. And this is Breaking Sales, a non-conformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the and 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. Wow, Pam, last couple weeks, I thought things were gonna slow down and they've done the opposite.
1: I agree with you, Dan.
0: Talking to a lot of our clients, there's a lot going on, and our clients are facing a lot of pressure. Something in particular that's been widespread is the economy. Right, it's getting tighter. Nobody knows how far the interest rate hikes are going to go. A lot right? of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Right, indecision. Mm-hmm. Right, status quo. Hunker down. <laughs> yep, right, yep. For some, it's actually fetal position in the corner already. <laughs> yep. Right. Exactly. Right. Here's a theme that I've seen. A lot of our clients are having to go to their, their clients and talk about rate increases and it's causing some scarcity.
1: I can only imagine. Right. I mean, absolutely.
0: You got to go to your client and let's say you have to talk to that client about a 5% increase in rates for next year. Meanwhile, you know, that client is cutting budget, you know that client is reevaluating priorities for 23. Culturally and from a leadership standpoint, they're starting to take approach of let's see how this goes, let's hold off on all decision making at least for the first two quarters and you know that that client might actually be considering layoffs. It's a lot. That's a lot then to have to go and say, "Oh, and by the way, We have to increase our rates 5% in 2023.
1: Even if you're not even having to approach your clients with a rate increase, but just approaching your clients to say, let's have an honest conversation about how we're working together and how you see this playing out over the course of the next couple of years. I think that's another tough one. You know, every year as we continue these relationships with our clients, Turning into that honest conversation around how it's perceived and what conversations are, are happening on the client side. Yeah, how's it going with Lap and 180? You know, how do we feel about that relationship? So talk about pressure and asking for an increase, but just to the pressure of I need to ask how things are going. And it's we're going into a year where maybe mm, it's not the best year to ask how things are going.
0: Remember, Pam. We've talked about this. Human nature is when we start to feel stress, uncertainty, and pressure, what do we innately do?
1: We don't ask any of those difficult questions.
0: We pull back. Yep. Yep. So now, right, for our audience and our listeners, right, you're reaching out to people who are experiencing budget cuts. They're experiencing uncertainty. They might be experiencing uncertainty in their role and responsibilities, maybe even their job, their team. There's a lot going on. So innately, when you're reaching out to folks right now, whether it's a prospect or a client, most human beings are going to more than likely pull back and they're going to limit new introductions. They're going to avoid new introductions because human nature is when we feel uncertain, we try to gain more control of what we have. In order to gain more control of what we have, we try to limit anything new or different. No change. You got it. And talking to some of our clients, you and I have talked about this. Yes. I think for our listeners, what would be very helpful is Pam and I came up with the four tactics tactics of detachment.
1: And Dan knows this. I feel listeners, detachment is the toughest of the three components on the mindset piece that we coach. Not only is it the toughest, but my opinion is it makes high intent and abundance. Like detachment is the foundation for being able to execute on all three of the mindsets effectively. So I love talking about detachment.
0: It's also the hardest one, like you said. Oh, absolutely. All right. So, Pam, let's talk about these tactics, right? Because detachment can be overwhelming. I've heard it how many times? Dan, are you saying that I have to go into this appointment that took me six months to get and you don't want me to care? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds pretty rude, too, Dan, <laughs> that I shouldn't care.
0: <laughs> and that is not what detachment means. Absolutely not. No, Nor does detachment mean you're irreverent. I mean, I've heard this periodically. Well, Dan and Pam say <laughs> that when I go into this appointment... I just need to kind of sit back and listen and just tell the prospect that I'm here to learn.
1: (laughs) I don't care where this goes. I don't care where it goes. I have no
0: expectations. I'm just here to learn. No, that is not detachment either.
1: (laughs) I like to say detachment is your ability to demonstrate your neutrality to the other human being that may or may not trust you quite yet and may not understand what your motives are behind the conversation.
0: I love that, Pam. And I'm going to add another component or another theme of detachment. And maybe I even would call this an outcome to detachment. Okay. Are you ready? When we're truly detached, we feel less pressure. When we feel less pressure, we perform so much better. Great way to say it. That is what's so important about detachment. It reduces our own pressure so we can perform conversationally or in the clutch, whether it's a negotiation or whatever, at such a higher level. Agreed. So let's get into the four tactics. Okay.
1: Give us tactic number one, Dan.
0: Tactic number one, the way I say it is let go of the outcome of the conversation. That's all it means. Don't think forward. If you have a 30-minute discussion, don't be thinking about minute 31. When you're in the conversation, avoid thinking about, is this going to go to another conversation? Are there going to be next steps? Are we going to get some kind of commitment? That's what we're telling you to avoid. Avoid that thought process. It is very tactical. Because if you can avoid thinking about how the conversation is going to end, good or bad, if you can avoid that, you'll be in the moment and it will intensify and improve both your listening skills, your questioning skills, and ironically, it has a direct correlation to building trust.
1: And that's why, listeners, I think this is where the... I have no expectations of where this conversation is going to go. And that's why we are very particular about saying this particular conversation, there's no intended outcome on my behalf.
0: And that's important. So if we're going to relay this first tactic to the idea of a lot of our clients, both yours and mine and Christie's, right, are having to go to their clients with rate increases. We're seeing Mm -hmm. it across the board. Absolutely. So let's apply this first tactic of detachment here. So what that means, it means this, you know, you have to go into this conversation with another human being who might be slashing budget, who has concerns about layoffs or initiatives, funding for next year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As Pam said, detachment in this scenario is prepare, raise your own expectations for both The quality of the conversation you're prepared to have, the attitude that you're bringing into the conversation, and the confidence and the calmness that you're bringing into that conversation, but let go of the outcome of that conversation because you cannot control it. No matter how good you are, you cannot control the response or the reaction of your client when you tell them that you have to raise Pricing or rates 5%. You have to let that expectation go. Otherwise, you will continue to feel way too much pressure as both you prepare and go into that discussion. Good example. All right, Pam, you want to share tactic number two?
1: Tactic number two there is no good or bad in what somebody shares with you. So I love this one. This is the one that's always been the hardest for me is tempering how I respond to what comes out of another person's mouth. It's not good, and it's not bad. It's just information, and my job is to understand it.
0: I love that. Why is that so hard to do, though? If I think about my conversations, right, in business, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at it, but when I talk to my kids, I'm horrible at it.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I But I think this goes back to, you know, we're all passionate. We all have things that we're looking to achieve in our lives. And of course, we go into some conversations, whether it's personally or professionally. And of course, we have some desires around that conversation. And Dan, this is why we talk about the mindset stuff takes so much work and practice, because these are just natural, innate tendencies that we all have. But you know darn good and well, if you're starting to ride the highs and lows of the good and bad that you hear in a conversation to your comment Dan i'm not going to perform at my best and my best means i'm listening my best means i'm keeping my neutral state my best means that i'm able to go deeper on questions based on what i hear and if i'm riding the highs on the good and bad that somebody shares with me i'll never achieve that level in a
0: conversation yeah when i apply that to this example we've been using right about how our clients are having to go to their clients and raise rates, here's how this one works. Many will go in on the offense already prepared to justify the 5%, (laughs) and they'll have their bullet points ready that here's why we're raising and we have to raise the 5%. That is not engaging. You're just dictating terms to another human being. The questioning comes into play here because some might be afraid to ask questions because they don't want to know the answers in this scenario. Exactly. But the answer is there. It exists. It's not going away. Whether you ask for it or not, you have to get the information. So you have to prepare your questions. And it's really important to make sure that you go in. And you're not worried about a good answer or a bad answer. Your focus has to be completely on the information, the perception, the assumptions, the feeling, the emotion that your client has regarding the price increase, the rate increase. Don't avoid it. Embrace it.
1: And to your point, I think the prep work is our way of avoiding it. If I just present the case in a logical manner then I don't have to deal with anything that might come back at me. It's all there, Dan. It's logical. This is why we have to do this. (laughs) Well, if we all made decisions based on fact, I wouldn't have my raging sugar addiction like I
0: do. I can see it now in this conversation with the client. Do I ask the question? Do I not ask the question? If I ask the question and they don't like it or they give me this answer, oh man, what's that going to do to my book? my client base, my revenue. I can't ask that question. The only thing you're doing is you're shielding yourself from the truth.
1: Exactly. And our whole job is to get to the truth, whether
0: it serves us or not. So little recap. Number one, let go of any kind of outcome. Do not worry about where the conversation will go. Stay in the moment. Number two, there's no good or bad in any answer. It's information. Embrace it. It leads you to the truth. And the truth is coming, whether you want to hear it while you're <laughs> live or you want to hear it in the email a couple of days later exactly. or a week later. Exactly. The truth is coming, whether you want it or not. All right. So, number three, this one's a little bit more interesting. It's still tactical. It's learning how to not let the other person or the group, client or prospect sitting across from you. It's learning not to allow their vibe, their energy, or their demeanor throw you off. (laughs) Why are you laughing, Pam? Because
1: I have a really good example of this one. Last year, I had a prospect meeting. And as you can imagine, just like all of you listeners, I get excited about these things. I get jazzed and juiced about being in front of folks and talking about how we can potentially help them. I mean, my goodness, I've dedicated my life to this. And I will never forget it. It was still at the time where we weren't doing a lot of live meetings. And so the whole thing was through Zoom. And here I am. y'all. I've been thinking about it for two straight days. I'm excited. There's going to be new people in the room that I can't wait to meet. (laughs) We start the meeting. My contact makes the introductions. There wasn't a smile. There wasn't an acknowledgement. There wasn't any type of emotion at all from that room. And they all looked like they'd rather be eating dirt than having this conversation with me. And Dan, if you don't think for one minute, I absolutely had to say to myself, do not let the response that this room is giving you right now affect what you do today. Oh my goodness, it was very difficult, very difficult.
0: I really like that word response because that's a lot of times what it is.
1: Yes. I didn't want to react. I wanted to be able to respond.
0: Right. And you're picking up vibe and energy oh. from their lack of response oh. or lack of reaction. And you're sitting going, what did I just walk into? <laughs> it
1: was so did somebody so sad. Did, did,
0: did, did somebody lose their job?
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they just looked... Mad (laughs) to be in this meeting with me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Think about it, listeners. You've worked so hard. You've prepped. You had your mindset straight. You went into the meeting. You did your best to let go of any kind of outcome temporarily while you're in that conversation. You're doing your best to remind yourself during the questions that you're asking that there's no good or bad in any answer. But that prospect sitting across from you is giving you nothing physically. There's no good eye contact. There's no warmth. There's no openness in their body postures. There's nothing. They're giving you nothing. We've all been there and we all know it can be very dangerous and it can have an immediate impact on our psyche and our confidence.
1: Well, you know, Dan, I think it works the opposite way too. I remember very specifically a large finalist presentation we were going into at my past employers. and. It was an extremely positive meeting. They were giving us excellent feedback on the things that we were telling them. And everybody was excited and there was energy and there was engagement. And I found myself in that conversation thinking, well, you know what? I don't think I need to ask some of these questions that I planned on asking. They're thrilled with how this meeting is going. And I do feel like the opposite happens too when you are attaching value to positive energy and enthusiasm in the room, maybe you start taking some shortcuts. I've got this one in the bag. There's no need to go down this road. This is going great.
0: Christy and I just had that exact same thing happen. We were talking to a prospect last week, and it was, I would say, our turn. It was the right time for us to start sharing a bit. And as we were sharing, this particular individual very very good energy right kept saying i love it i love it that's awesome fantastic and i remember emailing christy saying hey stay sharp
1: <laughs> don't bail <laughs>
0: you know was find out particularly what is it that they love yeah. what is it that they're finding fantastic how what are they connecting that's making them feel that enthusiastic or that positive to your point, you have to stay sharp. You cannot get thrown off with the good or the bad on the vibe, energy, and demeanor. Agreed. And if I use the example real quick about going to our clients and increasing rates, I think that's a no-brainer. I think once we deliver any kind of communication that rates are increasing, you're more likely to get some kind of demeanor or vibe as a reaction. Absolutely. And you just have to stay calm and steadfast.
1: Don't let it affect your ability to continue the conversation. You got it. Yep.
0: All right. We got one more, Pam. One more. You want to lead it?
1: So number four, keeping your biases at bay and probably even more important is understanding when your biases are starting to creep into your head during the course of the conversation.
0: What would be a good example?
1: So for me... I think my biases start creeping in when I hear things that don't relate to how we've helped others. So if I hear a prospect walk through, here's what we do to establish accountability, and it probably doesn't align with my beliefs and values and accountability. I feel it. I feel it creeping up, and I hear myself saying... I don't know that that's how I describe accountability. That doesn't sound like a culture of accountability to me. And the minute those thoughts, the minute you start thinking or arguing or judging or critiquing what the prospect or client is telling you, you know that's a good indicator, your biases are starting to show up. And we say this all the time, Dan, the minute your biases start to creep in, it's handcuffing your ability To be able to truly gain the perspective you need to gain to help that other human being make a good decision.
0: Well said, Pam. In this case, if we go back to the example of the rate increase, right, some of the biases could be formed at the beginning, which is they're going to hate this. They're going to get mad at me. They're going to cancel the current project. We're going to lose business next year. And then you go into the meeting with those biases in your mindset, that's going to set you up for potential failure. Absolutely. You will not be calm. You will not be confident and you will not be steadfast in your approach.
1: And then can you imagine when you get that potentially emotional reaction of, I'm sorry, what are you asking me for today? Holy cow. Here come those biases again, even stronger, even more present. I knew this was going to happen. It's paralyzing.
0: We're a big believer, obviously, of preparation. So before your next meetings, think about these four tactics. They are tactics. How can you use them? How can you deploy them so that they can help you have a very strong, open, honest, peer-to-peer conversation? Right. Number one, again, let go of outcome. All right? avoid the temptation to think forward. Two, ask the question. Don't worry about good or bad, positive or negative. Any answer is a great answer. It's information. Three, don't let yourself get swayed or distracted by vibe, energy, and demeanor, or certain types of responses and reactions. You can't control them. And then lastly, four, Take stock of your biases. And when you go in, try to keep your biases neutral. Detach or compartmentalize them because they will not serve you and they will not serve your prospect or client during the conversation.
1: I think that's a wrap.
0: Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of the podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapon180.com. Go to contact us. You can also engage with us on LinkedIn at Dan Lappin or Lappin180.